Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Techspansive. I am Sean Dubervac with Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin with Radical Research. The big news from this week is, of course, the storming of the Capitol here in my hometown, Washington, D.C. And as a result of that and some other events that have transpired this week, we saw Facebook blocking Trump's access to both Facebook and Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg put that out in a note saying that the accounts would be blocked from his access indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks. So President Trump will not have access to post to Facebook or Instagram, at least through the inauguration on the 20th. This was uh, motivated in part by some of the uh, videos and comments that he put out on Wednesday as it related to some demonstrations that were taking place in DC. Facebook and YouTube both removed the video for arguably different reasons. Facebook said it risked adding to the violence. YouTube said it violated their election rules. You also saw Twitter lock down Trump's account and Snap blocked Trump from posting. So well, at, least he, at least he saw his TikTok. Yes. He, you know, we, yeah. we have seen him dance at rallies. So Would be interesting if he would ever go after his battle with TikTok, if he would ever uh, go to right, that's as, right. as a last resort. Uh, so... Uh, it, it opens up interesting questions. Uh, obviously, this has been a, a long time coming. I think there's been a, a broad debate about when this would happen after the inauguration. Twitter had already uh, alluded to the idea that they would, um, you know, that if, if Trump violated any of the rules, that he would be banned from the platform. Uh, I don't think anyone probably anticipated that that would happen prior to the inauguration. Uh, but, but here we are. Uh, and I think it has important implications for these platforms moving forward. Well, I, you know, it's, it's a clear continuation of the narrative we've been discussing uh, here for some time in terms of uh, how these platforms deal with, with filtering um, and uh, a, a, what I hope is a unique situation, um, at least in terms of the American narrative. Although, you know, Sean, as you were mentioning um, earlier, it definitely has implications for how a lot of these networks deal with leaders uh, of, of other nations, and maybe not even necessarily leaders. Uh, also, you know, leaders of, of movements, not not even necessarily government leaders, uh, that are uh, you know in, inciting uh, violence. Um, and so, uh, you know, Twitter, for example, has, as you know, been dropping hints uh, that once uh, Trump leaves office, that he will no longer be afforded uh, protections. But this was, you know, probably the uh, heaviest hint that they've dropped, that they're on a path toward, uh, you know, permanently banning his account. And one thing we know about Trump is that he is intractable. You know, he uh, just uh, does not uh, does not change course, uh, certainly not easily um, and certainly not under threat um, or, you know, very often will either not see or, or ignore potential consequences. Uh, so this, um, uh, you know, it would not it, it seems that we're, you know, leading up to him certainly being banned by Twitter. Uh, only, only a matter of time, uh, and that also, you know, raises the question: if that, if that's something that Trump, uh, 
even would not care about, right? Because there's been so much of this discussion about him wanting to, uh, you know, build a, a media uh, presence after this, uh, some kind of Trump TV. And in some ways, Twitter is um, uh, competition for that. Yeah, I don't think that this was calculated. I think uh, oh, I agree with that. The, but... the, the fallout was, um, but I do, I do agree that this does position President Trump to start his own Twitter-like platform, mm. where he he controls uh, what he says on it, and and that obviously could drive a lot of users in the U.S. Nearly, you know, half of America might sign up for that platform. And so that that could be interesting. And and to your point, um, I I do think that as we look forward, it it has it's changed the role of what moderation looks like mm. for Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and and the like. I think there had been good argument for not silencing elected officials for giving them a platform, even if and when we feel like they uh, they don't. Um, purport democratic views. But I think this all changes now. If you're going to de-platform the sitting president of the United States, and I think you have to really look seriously at, do you de-platform other quote-unquote elected officials in foreign countries, or, or to your point, non-elected officials who incite violence? And, and should we have a much stricter policy against cutting them off? The, the early battle here, we saw it right after the election, was to label posts right, and, and it sometimes block individual posts. This is really the, the first time that they've locked the accounts down and blocked the accounts. And so I think it, uh, it, it really suggests that uh, the same behavior needs to be monitored from other elected officials throughout the world. And, and you know, you, you talked about uh, the steps that Facebook had taken uh, it, they already had a policy in, in place for this. Uh, it was under the policy called something like dangerous persons. They had a dangerous persons policy. So, you know, I, I think as we saw in Congress uh, last night, there was clearly a line that was crossed. And, uh, you know, it, it just, we, we, we saw steady progress toward that line and it was finally crossed. And so, you know, it, it, that, that's what spurs the action. Yeah. And so it, it really does uh, set up the next year ahead for all those social media platforms. You you have an ongoing debate around what Section 230 should look like. And mm -hmm. then I think you, you also have uh, a realization within each of these organizations that they have to take greater responsibility for what's on the, their platform, even when that's coming from w one of the uh, you know most important positions, most strongest elected officials in, in the world, um, they have to take a, a, a view on that. So we'll, we'll see more, I think, coming from them. Uh, in, in other kind of related news, if you will, we, <laughs> we, we saw that uh, Facebook is still moving forward on their planned smart glass launch. Uh, Andrew Bosworth, who's the uh, hardware chief at Facebook, um, you know, their augmented reality team, obviously the, the group that came out of uh, everything that they've been, been doing there with Oculus. 
uh, said that they will be arriving sooner than later in 2021, that they won't feature necessarily AR. And in fact, he says, um, these are certainly connected glasses. They are certainly providing a lot of functionality. We're being quite coy about which functionality precisely we are providing. We're excited about it. We don't want to overhype it. We're not even calling it augmented reality. We're just calling it smart glasses. So mm. in other words, it seems to be saying these are awesome glasses. Everyone's going to want one. We're just not going yeah. to tell you what they do. And they do They do a huge amount. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh you know, it's um, it's funny how we really uh, come full circle from the early days of, of Google Glass uh, to, you know, from that to things like HoloLens, where you have these very rich um, digital objects in a physical space. And now the notion that, look, that's just not practical or affordable uh, for a lot of um, uh, applications. So, so we've seen some companies uh, like Amazon, for example, with the Echo Frames. All they've done is really, even though they're glasses, they don't really have anything to do with vision. You know, it's just a, kind of an excuse to get something on your face uh, that has speech input uh, for using, you know, wake words uh, and uh, and and earbuds for maybe listening to ambient music through, say, bone conduction. Uh, headphones, which are not uh, really effective in a, uh, you know, when there's a lot of competing noise. So uh, I, I do think that, uh, I, I think we can maybe at least get a sense of some of the potential capabilities looking at the um, <clears throat> the kinds of things that uh, Enreal is doing. So uh, this is a new class of augmented reality eyewear, if you will, that um, connects to the smartphone via cable. And, and so it relies on the smartphone for the power and the processing and the connectivity, which allows you to have a much lighter weight um, headset uh, experience. Now, I think these are still used um, for episodically. So, you know, I want to have an experience. And so I'm going to put on these these glasses as opposed to the original vision, which was, you know, I will constantly have this with me and it will be a constant source of uh, information and enrichment about the world around me. But, you know, we haven't even gotten to that point with earbuds, uh, even with all the battery power uh, improvements that we've seen, the idea that I could have something with me that's constantly whispering relevant information in, into my ear even less obtrusively, uh, we're not there. So I think part of it is a content issue. And I think we saw some of that this, uh, this week with Microsoft deciding to shut down uh, Minecraft Earth. Um, the thing is that Facebook is, of course, a, a real consumer-focused company, and a lot of the activity here has been on the enterprise side. Uh, so um, the, uh, the company uh, uh, Toshiba, you know, a while back came out with these smart glasses and, and the, the, and, you know, we're seeing some rumors about uh, Lenovo possibly introducing something soon. Uh, and the idea there is really more to have access to, um, you know, on-demand videos for things like repairing planes, you know, and, and designing cars and training, uh, which, which is a huge application there. The consumer application is a little bit tougher to crack, I think, right now. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. There's lots of enterprise uh, solutions that make a lot of sense. 
DHL for, for a time was testing them in warehouse settings where you mm-hmm. could scan barcodes or, or do other things so that you could keep your hands free, right? So the, the ideal application is for somebody who needs access to information that's available digitally, but wants to be able to keep their, their hands free. Um, the, the use case where somebody else can see your view and, uh, you know, the repair right. person can make the repairs with an expert repair person overlooking and mentoring that, that person, right. That's a, a really interesting use case scenario. Uh, I've seen some interesting use case scenarios like in, in, uh, with airplanes. So airplanes get these speed dents essentially that, that happen hitting birds or, you know, other, other things. And they use, uh, the equivalent of duct tape to uh, temporarily <laughs> fix those. Wow. Uh, and if they're severe enough, then they need to be repaired. But the judgment on severity is somewhat subjective and, and determined ultimately on site by, by the person. So if you had AR glasses where some of those things could be systematically determined, where the, the glasses do the calculations, and that's you know what you hope you get is three-dimensional space, with, with these. And so you can start to do three-dimensional measurements and then you can, uh, you can kind of make those calls in a uniformed manner. And so I think that the great potential there is, is creating some uniformity. Uh, but to your point, the, the consumer aspect is all about, let's have this, you know, enjoyable experience. Uh, the vision maybe at some point starts to mirror what we see in ready player one, you know, that it's a, where we operate, it's where we shop, it's where we do these other things, but, um, but we're not seeing that yet. And so, and, and outside of say Pokemon go, I think this is the struggle that Minecraft ran into, despite being a very popular game, right? This particular application wasn't well received. Now they, they shuttered it at, at least according to the announcement because of the pandemic because kids aren't getting out and about but you could obviously still use it in your home if you wanted to uh, it was meant to to create a social experience and uh, and again there's another line that i think will will potentially be difficult is is ar a social experience or is it something that you consume in in isolation oh well you know if facebook has any say in it you know, it's going to be a social experience. So right. They've right. been clear about that. Yeah. But yeah. if you look at a lot of um, what, you know, we've seen some really interesting applications around the news and documentaries where you can mm-hmm. put on glasses and have this mixed reality experience like you're in the prison cell and, and you know, you can have these type of experiences. And that sure something you don't... And the Times and other news organizations did a lot of that kind yep. of stuff in the cardboard yes. era. Yep. Yeah, but it, you know, it was interesting, but just not a compelling enough application, I think. Yeah. Yeah, still, still searching for that. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see. I think you made a great point that uh, eyewear seems to be the, the next frontier that hardware vendors want to go. They, and this, is, this has been ongoing for years now, but they, they're still trying to master the wrist, and we've gotten better there. And sure. next, next is to master the face. Now, for you and I, who both wear glasses and have to wear masks on, yeah, and it's, it's have, been a real party since March to be yeah. uh, wearing glasses. For sure. Have our glasses immediately fog up the second we walk in or out of buildings with our our uh, glasses and masks on? I, I think that hurdle will be another big hurdle for 
for glasses that are, yep. are intended to be worn all of the time, everywhere in every setting. Yeah, fix that. You know, yeah. find a way to prevent the glasses from fogging. Those would be the smartest glasses I, I would want to buy. I'd yes, buy I would buy you know, those. I would definitely buy those smart glasses. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good uh, place to to wrap up this chaotic week in the world. Uh, next week is the start of CES, which for the first time in its fifty plus years of history will be virtual. And uh, so we will be back next week with a, a full digest of everything that's taking place. Just despite the fact that it will be a much smaller show, it is uh, definitely looking like there'll be a lot of announcements. A lot on the docket. Yeah, a yeah, lot coming out. Um, about half as many companies exhibiting this year, but uh, still a lot of a lot of announcements. And I think a lot of companies are using the timing to really look forward and and to set their trajectory mm. and and you know roadmap release some product announcements so we'll we'll be back next year with a uh excuse me next week with a full docket of new tech um announcements uh, so with that i'm sean duberback you can find me on twitter at sean duberback and i'm ross rubin you can find me on twitter at ross rubin thanks so much for listening <laughs>